Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we're going to experience a second death blow to our self-righteousness. It started with the first one last week when our passage in Matthew chapter 5 forced us to ask the question, am I a murderer? We continue this week with verses 27 through 30 in chapter 5, and the question Jesus forces us to ask this week is, am I an adulterer? No doubt most in Jesus' audience would have immediately answered this question with, of course not. But that's because they understood the question differently than what Jesus meant by asking it. Similar to the murderer question, Jesus' point was that just because you may not have committed the actual sin, the state of your heart tells an entirely different story. And the question therefore demands a different answer than you might otherwise give. Here is today's segment of the sermon that asks the question, are you an adulterer? What we have in our text today is the explanation of why Jesus would have handled that situation in John 8 the way that he did. Jesus teaches us that evil lust is the heart of adultery, just as he taught us that anger is the heart of murder. Now, the command is absolute. Never commit sexual sin. Not hard to see. Verse 28. It says in verse 27, you've heard the ancients were told you should not commit adultery, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now, before I explain what that means, let me uh, poke a hole in some misconceptions about it. It is not describing when you just happen to see a person of the opposite sex. That's not a sin. Nor is it describing a person who notices beauty in a member of the opposite sex. That's okay too. Nor is it talking about a natural sense of attraction to a member of the opposite sex. All of those fall into um, the realm of normal. Uh, I, I had a friend years ago who uh, uh, told his wife what a problem men have with lust, and so he trained her, if we are ever out in public and you notice a, a woman, especially a pretty one, and especially one of those who is apparently unable to afford enough cloth to buy a sufficient amount of clothing, you tell me to look the other way. Okay, that is perfect Phariseeism. If I look and I commit lust, it's your fault for not warning me. That completely upends exactly what Jesus was saying here. Now, I don't mind if somebody says, you might not want to look at 3 o'clock, you know, to your right when you're, when you're at the beach and there's somebody, and there's somebody there. 
I, I don't mind looking out for each other, but you understand, telling somebody else you're responsible to keep me holy, that doesn't work. Not at all. Now, Jesus is talking about looking at a person with lust. Now, we have the phrase translated here, with lust for her, or your translation might say, to lust for her. That translates an interesting phrase, and we don't have a, an exact English equivalent, so that's the best translation we have. The Greek, for you three or four that might know it, it's pros ta epithumesai. Now, that should give you goosebumps. I pronounced all three of those words absolutely spot on. But here's the point. That literally would be um, toward the to lusting. So that's why they say it's with the purpose of lusting. It's intentionally looking at someone in order to fan the flames of lust or evil desire. The word lust itself isn't actually an evil word. The, the, what the Greek word that's translated there just means strong desire. It's used occasionally in the Bible in a positive sense of a really strong desire for a good thing. Paul uses this very word in Philippians chapter 1 when he says, I have the desire to depart and be with Christ. Well, that's a holy desire, a powerful desire for a good thing. But most of the time that this word is used, it is used in a connection, in a context that makes it an evil desire to possess something that is forbidden. Specifically, in the sexual context, it means to desire a forbidden relationship. Now, understand, he's not saying that sex is bad, that sexual desire is bad. It's a wonderful and fulfilling gift from God in a marriage. But anywhere else, it is selfish. It leads to fleeting gratification. And it's always destructive, without exception. Now, somebody participating in the wrong thing might not tell you that, but it is wrong and it does always destroy. It is sin. Uh, and it's wrong outside of marriage, regardless whether you're married or not. Jesus is not talking about the things you happen to see around you. And as I said, he's not even talking about noticing beauty. It's the second or the third look and the resulting desire for the wrong thing. That's where the sin begins. And Jesus described this quite vividly. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman for the purpose of lusting for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now, understand what he's saying there. It's very similar. It's exactly parallel to what we said last week about anger and murder. Um, just as the consequences of feeling angry or the desire to get even, whatever it is on the inside, the consequences of that are not as serious as they are when you let that thought spill over into mouthing off or punching someone or ultimately committing murder. Same thing here. 
the consequences of adultery in your heart are not as serious as the consequences of committing a sexual act with someone that you're not married to. But the essence of the sin is the same. Now, I have heard this verse many times uh, used to say that, therefore, if someone views something pornographic, that's the same as committing adultery. And therefore, you have broken the covenant of your marriage and you can be divorced. Well, it doesn't say that. And it doesn't, it doesn't mean that. That is a sin. That is a problem. And as a habit, that's a particularly destructive problem. But understand, he's saying not that you receive the consequences for the act if you just think about it. He's saying, understand, it's a continuum. It begins in your heart, and it flows through several stages of development, and it can be expressed in the physical act. The essence of the sin is the same. Listen to what Jesus said on, a, on another occasion. It's in Matthew 15, verses 18 through 20. He says this, But the things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart. And those defile the man. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications. And by the way, there's the two words side by side. Adultery and fornication. The one for a married person and the one for everybody else. Adultery, fornications, thefts, false witness, slanders. These are the things that defile the man. Now, I wouldn't blame you if you were thinking about now Wow, I'm sure glad I came today. I woke up this morning and I knew I was a sinner, and now this guy is just piling it on. Well, yeah, but I've got a pretty good source that I'm quoting here, Jesus. And trust me, it gets worse. And then it gets much, much better. But you've got to realize the problem before you want the solution. We wouldn't call the gospel good news if we didn't understand there's bad news that the good news is the answer to. So this leads to a more general point that Jesus makes. And if you thought feeling rotten about your sin wasn't bad enough, let's look at this, the seriousness of dealing with sin, verses 29 and 30. Jesus says, if your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out and throw it from you. For it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. If your right hand makes you stumble, cut it off and throw it from you. For it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for the whole body to go into hell. At this time, we're going to have the deacons come forward with the ice picks and machetes. Uh, I think you get the point. This is hyperbole, but it's a very important point makes you stumble, comes from a word that describes the stick that was used to spring the trap 
that would capture the varmint that was eating your stuff in your garden or the dangerous animal, whatever it is. Think of a, of a box. You would tilt the box up, prop it up with a stick, put some bait under the box, and then you would hide. You'd have a, a string attached to the stick. The, the varmint comes in, and as soon as he grabs the bait, you pull the stick, and he's trapped. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know, and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.